So someone sent me this four-way stretch clergy shirt and I'm like, wow, it's really comfortable. I don't know if this shirt is too wrinkly or not. I haven't washed it yet. I just put it on. So it's clean or it's not, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's either really clean or it's really not clean. I don't know which one, but it's kind of wrinkly. But right now it's also the shirt that I have on. <clears throat> Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz and this is Attention Presents. So um, I was asked this question and I've actually been asked this question a number of times. The question is, why do we have to love God? Like it seems very um, arrogant. It seems very self-centered of God to ask that we love him, to ask that we worship him. It seems very self-centered of God that we that he asks that we serve him. And so so is it? That's the big question. Is it self selfish of God? Is it self-centered of God that he made us to love him um, and that he asks us to love him? Is it selfish of God? Is it is it little? Is it petty? Is it the meaning of God that he asks us to worship him? That's a great question. If you read uh, the stories of the Greek or Roman gods, the Babylonian gods, you read the story of the Mesopotamian gods, you're right. Um, maybe even the, the gods of the North and South, Central America. Yes, you're 100% correct. Um, those gods, those beings, those divine beings that would you know claim to be divine, divine beings, um, they uh, made human beings to be slaves. Essentially, there are um, almost all of the creation stories, the creation myths of religions around the world, most of them say, yeah, here are the gods and they create human beings. Why? They, they create human beings because they don't want to work. They want to create beings that will work and instead of them so that the gods can rest, so that gods can, can um, basically get something from these creatures that they're going to create. So it makes sense to say that, wait a second, here is the Lord God who asks us to worship him, to, who asks us to love him with everything we have. If our worldview, if our lens is one of these Greek or Greco-Roman gods or Mesopotamian gods or whatever, then yes, that would be very incredibly self-centered of the Lord God to ask us to worship him. Of course, the question is, is God like that? What we actually, what's revealed to us in the New Testament, revealed to us in Jesus Christ is something remarkable. What's revealed to us is that God, and this is the very, very first line of the catechism, it says God, infinitely perfect and sufficient in himself. So meaning God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. We are completely um, conditional beings. Like we are unnecessary beings. God is the only necessary being and he doesn't need us. He is infinite, infinitely perfect and sufficient in himself. But in a plan of sheer goodness, what happens out of the overflow of his love? And here, let's pause on this for a second. What do I mean by infinitely perfect, infinitely sufficient in himself? It means God is not lonely. God didn't make, God wasn't sitting in heaven, if you want to picture that. God wasn't sitting in heaven saying, I'm bored. There's nothing to do here. I, I'm lonely. How about I make some beings that they'll worship me and I'll feel good about myself? The exact opposite. God is completely, infinitely sufficient in himself, infinitely blessed in himself. He does not need anything. And we know this because of Jesus, right? Jesus reveals the innermost secret of God. The innermost secret of God is that he is a trinity of persons, that that the, here's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that the Father is continually, infinitely, uh, eternally pouring himself out in love to the Son. The Son's receiving that love and pouring himself out in love to the Father. And that love is so real, it's an actually another, it's another person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So here's God who needs absolutely nothing. He's not lonely because he is an eternal communion of love. But out of that love, what happens? God determines, I want to share this love. I want to create other beings so that not, not so I can get something from them, but so I can share the love that I have in myself. Because remember, God is love. The fact that God is a trinity reveals that God is 
love. Here's God who says, I don't want to keep this love to myself, essentially, right? I want to create beings who can share in my love. He, so he freely creates us, not for his own sake. This is crazy. He creates us so that we can have, be individuals, right? That we can, that we can have our, our own wills, that we can have our own, our own minds, our own intellects, our own lives, so that we can actually choose to participate in his love. That's why he's made us. To say like, what, what is it that God, you know, uh, why did God make us to love him? Yes, if you're going from this Greco-Roman, Mesopotamian, these other non-Judeo-Christian gods, you'd say, yeah, that's very strange. That seems very selfish. But if you know that God is love, if you know that God is good, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, then, then to, to be suspicious of God's love, like why did he create us to love him? It's somewhat like um, a child who hears their mom or dad and says, hey, I want to take you on a vacation to Disneyland. And the child says, well, wait, okay, yeah, I want to go, but like, what, do I have to go with you? Or I'm going to take you on vacation to Vail. We're going to ski, you know, Vail, Colorado. We're going to ski in the Rocky Mountains. Okay, but do I have to, do I have to, have to ski with you? Like, what, what is this? Why do I have to like go to Disney World with you? Why do I have to go to skiing with you? Why do I have to go do this thing with you? Is it because you want something from me? As opposed to like, here's the parent who's like, oh, I thought I was just taking you on vacation. I thought I was just trying to give you this gift of going on vacation. And part of that gift I thought was we would get to share it. Now, that's an analogy. We all know that analogies are more dissimilar than they are similar. But think about how our, what happening, what's happening in our hearts if we, if we think suspiciously of God's love for us. And God's saying, actually, if you love me, you'll be happiest. In fact, that, that's why God commands us to love him. Because you're made for love. I mean, just pause on this. God is infinitely perfect and blessed in himself. He is love. God is love. He made you in his image and likeness. Why? So you could experience his love. And when God says, hey, love me, he's not saying love me because I need it. I'm so needy. Absolutely not. God's saying love me because that's where you'll be happiest. I mean, think about this. You're made for the good, the true, and the beautiful. That's what you're made for. You're made for the true, the good, and the beautiful. As often as you and I choose the truth, we're living in freedom, living in love and joy. As often as you and I choose uh, the good, we're living in freedom, beauty, and joy. As often as we choose beauty, we're living in love and in joy. We have the fullness of life. God made us for the true, the good, and the beautiful. He made us for love. As often as you and I choose it, <laughs> we're ourselves. We are choosing what we're made for. And as often as we don't choose this, we're choosing the opposite of what we're made for. And that's one of the reasons why sin grieves God's heart. We say it like that. Sin can grieve God's heart because you're made for love and he wants you to have that. We want you to experience that love in the fullest possible way. That's why St. Augustine, years ago, right, in the 4th, 5th century, St. Augustine says, our hearts are restless. We're, you, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Here's St. Augustine who, who chose, like, here, if I grasp after this, I'll be happy. And he wasn't. If I grasp after this, I'll be happy. And he wasn't. But you've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. This is the last thing. <sighs> the question, why does God demand that we love him? Comes from a place of suspicion. And it makes sense because even the people who have loved us best, oftentimes, they haven't loved us perfectly. No one has. And say, well, 
why should I be faithful to you if you're not faithful to me? Why should I be true to you if you're not true to me? And yet here is the Lord God who is always faithful. He's always true. And he has not made us for him because he was lonely. He made us for him because he wants us to experience more than we ever could possibly dream of, hope for, or imagine. And that's what it is to love God. It is not uh, to give him anything he doesn't have yet. Except maybe one thing. It is to give him our heart. And that's one thing God doesn't have necessarily. That's the one thing God doesn't, God doesn't have automatically. He doesn't automatically have your heart because he gave that to you. And he gave you a free will that you could say, I'm going to keep my heart to myself. I'm going to give it to someone else. Or I'm going to fully be happy and free. And I'm going to give it to him. Anyways, that's what I got from all this here to Ascension Presents. My name is Father Mike. God bless. I don't know, I don't need to clap. I always say this. There it was.